Let's, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak your word today, Father. We thank you for just uh, allowing us to, this privilege to be able to hear it, Father. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it. And again, Father, let's take myself out of the way and let's let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, we'll, uh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew today a little bit and talking about some different things. And uh, start off with, you know, we... Uh, we talk about all the things that Jesus does, Jesus did. And also, it's important to sometimes look about what he didn't do, how he didn't react in a situation, how he didn't do what he could have done. So that's the title of today's message is what Jesus didn't do. So uh, it's been a, been a crazy year. A lot of different things going on, and um, they've uh, in today's world of of camera phones, where everyone has instant access to be able to shoot a video, we have a lot of different things that we get presented to us that we no normally see. It would be just you know hearsay. We we have these things called viral videos now, where someone takes a video. Um, and then they put it out there and it's for all the world to see. And it gets more and more attention and more and more people see it. And we go through things like likes and hearts and all these different ways that we show our approval for certain things. And then more people see it. And then it reaches the masses. So uh, in that, we've seen a lot of, of poor behavior. Now, we've talked about feelings and how we get driven by our feelings sometimes and how many of us have ever been really passionate about something you want something to happen you know you want you want your church to grow you want your your kids to do well you want sometimes it's about you want to you know possess a certain thing maybe it's that that new car that new house or something and you feel really passionate about it. It's a strong desire, a want. And uh, we can either do one of two things when these things happen. We can go with it. And a lot of times that'll cause us to do, make poor decisions, make poor choices, do things that we shouldn't do, overextend. Or we can think about things practically. Well, we may want this, but is it really practical in our life? Is it really worth the effort? Is it really worth doing what we're going to do for it? And it seems today that a lot of people are not making these internal decisions, that this internal filter that we should have, where we run through things through our thought process, and most importantly, we run things through the filter of God, and ask if this is something that God wants of us, is not happening. So uh, we've now have a, uh, a certain name. They call these different people when they act a certain way. We have the, the Karens of the world, where they show, for lack of better words, idiotic behavior because they feel justified in what they're doing. They don't mind their own business. They see someone doing something they don't approve of. They see a flag they don't approve. They see a sticker on a car that they 
they don't personally approve of, and then they have to make their feelings known. And then sometimes it steps even further than that to filter physical altercations, destruction of property. It seems like there's often no limits to what these people do when they are driven by their personal feelings. We have a lot of causes going on today. And we have protests, we have marches. And these people feel passionate about what they are representing. But there's a line. There's one thing to be able to state how you feel. That is called free speech. And that is a right of every American. But when we turn to force and intimidation and fear and destruction to push that point, then we have stepped well over a line. Now, as a speaker of the Word of God, as a Christian, and talking to fellow Christians, I would say it's safe to say that there is one cause that stands above everything else. And that is the message of the gospel. That is sharing the love of Jesus Christ. That is telling who Jesus is and what his blood does. That is salvation. That is the most important cause there is. Because things like racism, ageism, sexism, abortion, global pandemics, the economy, all these things that we're concerned about right now only are concerns of right now. Meaning they are only confined to this world, to this moment in time that we are in right now, where the gospel is eternal. And we are not only talking about how it affects us right now, but how it will affect us for eternity. Our life past the life we are living right now. It is the determination of where we will spend eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father alongside Jesus, or we will spend eternity in hell. And because of that, because the stakes are so high, the highest of all, this is the most important cause there is. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. And these twelve Jesus sent forth, commanding them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and to any city that is not Samaritan enter ye not. But go rather to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and go and preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, 
clean the leopards, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely ye give, provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who is worthy, and abide till I go since. And when ye come to the house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall receive you or not hear your words when they depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, I should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah of judgment than for that city. Now, for the day's message is, what, would Jesus, what didn't Jesus do? Jesus has the most important message there is, far beyond anything else. This is what people need to hear. It is life nor death. And yet, what does he tell them? He tells them, you speak. If they do not hear it, that is their choice. So why is it? Are we not allowing that to happen with our things of today, our causes of today, our present and problems? Why is there such a need for this force? Are you really changing minds? And see, that's what Jesus understood Jesus has all the power in the world and he could have told him no you hold him down you stand you hold your your place you make him understand but you can't really make him understand you can only appease their feelings because when we are driven by fear, when we're driven by circumstances, we're not truly changing the heart. And it is the heart that what matters. So when you stand up and protest and you're forcing people to raise their hands, they're not doing it because of your cause. They're not doing it because of their heart. They're doing it out of fear. They're doing it to make you go away. And Jesus is only concerned about a true change of heart. The heart is what matters. Nothing else. Fear means nothing. It is faith. It is faith believing this man, Jesus, is who he is. He can do what he says he can do. He is what he says he is. That's the kind of difference we got to make. That's the kind of, kind of belief we have to have in any cause that's worth having. If we're going to be passionate about something, we need to be able to tell people what we believe, why we believe, and why it is good. And Jesus covers all these bases. We want to flip over to 
chapter 15. Uh, 13. Chapter 13 and 53. And when it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables and departed thence, he went and came into his own country and he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Where hath this man wisdom and his mighty works? It is not the carpenter's son. It is not his mother called Mary, his brother and James, Joseph and Simon's, and Judas, and his sisters, they had not with us, for they as man of all things. And when they were offended in him, and Jesus said unto him, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We see again that we have a belief problem. But what didn't Jesus do? It would have been real easy for him to shove a show of force, a show of power. He could have brought angels down. He could have performed even grander miracles. He could have did endless amounts of things to show who he was. But he can't force the issue. He can't force a change of heart. He can only present the truth. And people have to decide for themselves what to believe. He didn't do many mighty works. People simply didn't believe. They saw him as who he was. They saw his past. The simple carpenter. The son of these simple people that we've known our entire lives. And we do this so much today. We look at well, this person's no good because this is where they came from. We're looking at the past and basing everything on the future of it. No one that grew up seeing this, this little boy grow up, seeing him as a young man, ever would have thought that this was the Son of God. They never imagined what he was going to become, who he truly was. And we do this today. We look back and say, well, when we do it to ourselves, we do it to others. Well, I don't have a good past. I've made mistakes. I don't have the resources. We use it as an excuse. We're letting things that happen hundreds of years ago affect us today as a crutch, 
as a band-aid, as an excuse to not succeed. Not Jesus. He didn't let people's words affect him. Today it seems like everybody is so affected by things that don't matter, by words, by slogans, by flags. Whoever would have thought that we could take the symbol of our country and use it as something negative, how that could be troubling for some. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Here's a plot twist for you while we're on the subject of, of unbelief. And this is for, for the Christians today. This is for the born-again believers. How many of us are just like the people of Nazareth? How many of us are just like the people of Nazareth? That we are full of unbelief. You know, we come to church and we say we're Christians. But are we really? Are we really in our hearts? Or are we just doing it on the surface? Because what does our actions say about that? Are we giving our all? These empty seats say no. The sparse offering plates say no. The state of the country says no. We're not standing up for Jesus. We say we're not allowed to gather, not allowed to worship, and we're just okay with that. Little by little, we keep taking God out of more and more things and trying to do it to more and more things. They want to take it out of our national anthem. They want to take it out of the Pledge of Allegiance. They want to take it off our currency. We see little by little, we're trying to erase and change history. And God is also on that same chopping block. We're seeing each generation that has less and less of God in it. There's less and less of a want to have God in it. A need for God in it. And we're the ones to blame for it because we're allowing it to happen. We're not teaching, we're not doing, and we're not being that example. We have... The power of Jesus. Back in chapter 10, he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive and freely you give. If he did it for one, he does it for all. We possess these same powers, and yet we are still sitting here broken bruised, alone, we're suffering, we're sick, 
We're affected by demons. All because we are not accessing that power. All because of our unbelief. All because we are no different than the men and women that were down in Nazareth casting their doubt. We just say it a little different ways. Well, it just doesn't work out for me. I don't know if God really can do it. Is He really there? Is He really hearing me? He hears. He knows. And the problem is never on His end. It is never His shortcoming. It's always our lack of faith. We are impatient. We're selfish. We don't give time for a miracle to manifest. We want everything done right now. We want things better the very next day. The very next minute. And when things don't happen, we give up. We look at the world. We see what's in front of us. We take it at face value. We never bother to look at the truth. We never think for a minute that maybe somebody's lying to us. Maybe it's Satan, the king of lies, that has his most valuable tool is to lie to us. We never think about that. We want to put our heads in the sand that we are not in a spiritual warfare. We want to think the devil's not real. The boogeyman's not real. That things are not out to get us. And if everything is wonderful, we got everything on pause. We're just coasting to the end, waiting on Jesus to come back. Every day thinking we're a little bit closer. We just got to wait it out. When the fact is we are supposed to be doing stuff right now. It is our duty as sons and daughters of God, to make this world a better place, to make it a godly place, to be examples, to be that light. We have to believe. How are we ever going to make big, bold prayers manifest if we can't even bring the kingdom of heaven into our own lives, our own church, and our own community, because we're not willing to take them first steps. We're not willing to commit to the long haul. We're not willing to believe. God knows everything that's going on in this world. And it is for a reason. And I believe it's to open eyes. I believe it is to send people back to Him. It is to allow souls to be saved, lives to be changed. If we make this one movement our priority, if we make the God priority. Everything else will come into play. Everything else will fall into place. Everything else will be taken care of. God has to be first. God has to be first. Where is he at in your life today? 
What are you putting in front of him? Where is your belief? Where is your faith? Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Father, we ask for strength. We ask for a change, Father, a change in each and every one of us. We ask to the ignite the fires, to brighten our lights inside us, Father, to give us the strength to be bold, the strength to maintain our faith, Father, to be able to be patient, to be able to be unselfish, Father, for a change, to be able to be a difference in the world, to be an example, to let our love of Jesus show, Father. Father, we know that many people are struggling and they are looking for something. Father, we ask for direction to see that something they are looking for is you. Father, I ask that we can get outside of our own little circles, Father, and start praying bigger, bolder, united prayers, Father, that we can start seeing things happen, Father, as individuals, as churches, Father, as communities, as a nation, a unity united under you, Father. That is my prayer for today. And if anybody has a need, something they need to do, Father, we don't know what that is, that they'll make the move today to come to you, Father, to have it handled. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Stand, please. Stand 382.